Howdy. You're listening to the Think Brazos podcast. an election tomorrow, yes, on a Saturday. On the ballot are two state propositions about, you guessed it, property taxes. There are also local ballot decisions about sales tax to raise funds in Brazos County Emergency Services Districts 3 and 4. What isn't on the ballot is our next guest, James Edge. He's already won his race by running unopposed to fill a vacant seat on the Bryan City Council. This seat was previously held by Flynn Adcock, who died earlier this year. Flynn was always very kind to us and even came on our show when we were just getting started. Charlie and I met James Edge years ago when he was working for Congressman Flores in the local district office, and now he's bringing that experience to local government. He'll be sworn in later this month as the Bryan City Council member for Single Member District 4. In this conversation, Charlie and James talk about housing, transportation, and more. And if you listen to the end, we'll tell you who the next guest is. Just remember, think local, think brasses. We're joined with James Edge. He is the new single-member District 4 representative for uh, the Bryan City Council. So, James, thank you so much for coming on Think, Think Brazos. Well, thank you. I appreciate you inviting me. So, you are brand new. We were talking a little bit off the air uh, about how you're just getting started with the city politics. You've never been held local office. Is correct. that correct? Correct. But you have a lot of experience over how many years were you working for the former congressman? Um, well, just under 10 years. Wow. Uh, if I'd have started with him in January, it would have been 10 years exactly. And uh, what was the your position? Um, I was his district director. Okay. So you were over all of the uh, – handling all of his, his local – Local Correct. stuff for yes. the district. We, we had three offices. We had an office in Waco. We had an office in Bryan, obviously, and we had an office in Pflugerville. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, when I first started for Congressman Flores, I worked as a field rep. And uh, mm. shortly thereafter, I was promoted to deputy district director and then ultimately district director to oversee the entire uh, district. And our district included eight eight full counties and four partial counties, Okay, uh, the largest of which was McLennan County up in the Waco area. And, of course, second was Bryan College Station. Got it. So uh, since the congressman lived in Bryan, uh, we, we sort of considered this the home office. Oh, that's why. Okay. But you had to travel around to all of those. Correct, different, yeah. You probably met a lot of interesting people over those years, huh? Oh, it was, it was fantastic. Uh, I loved the 10 years I spent with Congressman Flores. I uh, loved the people that I met. I loved the, the connections that I made. Uh, I've got lifelong friends. And, you know, the, the sad part is those counties – that I, that I don't see as often any longer. Yeah. You know, more the rural counties that uh, we keep track of one another on Facebook, but it's about the only time I see them now. Yeah. So as far as the, the local um, change in leadership for single-member district for, um, there was no election. Um, I was going to make a joke about it being a nail-biter, yeah. but it was, uh, it, it, it was handled a little bit differently, and that was because um, – you know, it's really unfortunate, but Flynn Adcock, who we brought on this program not too long ago, passed away. Is that right? That's right. And Very so, sad. so you um, put your name in after uh, after that, and and here you are today. 
Yeah, it was really, really tragic. Uh, Flynn was a great, great guy. He was a great family man. He was a yeah. great councilman and a good friend. And uh, I don't know anyone that was expecting. I mean, it was very unexpected. And uh, I had not had designs on serving on the Bryan City Council. I thought oh, about really? it a few years ago. But uh, but it's not something I was actively considering. And when Flynn passed, I mean, he and I lived in the same single-member district for. Right. Uh, we were not close neighbors, but we were neighbors. Right. And, uh I just felt like I've, I've, I appreciate the direction the city of Bryan has been going in, mm-hmm. and I uh, understand that we've got sort of a perfect storm coming up this uh, November where we're going to have a lot of turnover on the Bryan Council, and I think it's important that we have as, as seamless a transition as possible yeah. and that we sort of maintain the direction that we've been going in, and yeah. I hope to be a part of that. So you mentioned about all the turnover so this is we're recording this in april uh you'll be sworn in early may may 17th okay mid-may may 17th uh november rolls around are you gonna be are you gonna have seniority after the, the election the scary thing is i will be the second most senior member on the Bryan council golly the november election wow uh we've got uh one member of the council that's already announced he's running for mayor we have another member okay. of the council that's likely to run for mayor mm-hmm. and uh one of those two is likely going to be the next mayor mm-hmm. and at that point i will be the second most senior member of council golly is this i haven't been following city politics that long uh maybe five years is this unprecedented in any way, this amount of turnover? I would have to think so. Uh, wow. This is a result of sort of that perfect storm. You've got term limits that were uh, sure. uh, put in place in Bryan a number of years ago. And this is sort of between uh, you've got uh, one member who's uh, running for county commissioner. You've got three that have been term limited off. And yeah. like I say, two that are running for uh, running for mayor. And then, of course, single member district four, which yeah. is Flynn's, uh, which is open as a result or was open. Right. Uh, it's... Uh, like I say, I don't think anyone ever designed it to, to turn out this way, and uh, I'm hopeful that, like I say, in the, the brief period of time, I'm going to be able to spend drinking out of a fire hose, learning what a council <laughs> member does. Yeah, uh, I'm hopeful that I can be a be a be a positive uh, con- contributor. Yeah. So I want to go back to your experience working for uh, Congressman Flores, and kind of looking at city politics from that lens of the the federal to the local. Now you're kind of on the other end. What things do you think you've learned through that experience that's going to inform you on um, this time around on the city council? And and what kind of ideas have you formed that you might want to implement? Well, I'll tell you, number one, I'm not coming into this with an agenda. And I've made that clear from the very beginning. Uh, I want to serve the citizens of Bryan. And I know that may sound a little bit hokey. But, in fact, that's one of the things I did learn working for Bill for the last 10 years. Uh, you know, Bill saw himself as a public servant, and he looked at us on his staff as not employees, uh, as his employees, mm-hmm. as employees of the district, employees of the okay. House of Representatives, basically servant, you know, public servants. And uh, we spent a lot of time during the last nine and a half, ten years uh, in the district uh, answering questions, uh, assisting in any way we could with federal issues and federal agencies. And uh, I sort of see the, the role I'm going to have with the city in the same light. Uh, my goal is to sort of be a conduit between the, the citizens of single-member District 4 and the council and the city itself. Uh, I also look at it from a perspective, uh, you know, uh, our, our great mayor, Andrew Nelson, likes to likes to say we're two, uh, two cities, one community. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe in that. And I, I believe that we all, whether we're in Bryan College State, Bryan or College Station, or the county, we all have a vested interest in the success of Bryan. Yeah. And so I'm hopeful to, to at least play a part 
in ensuring that we can maintain the infrastructure yeah. that we're going to need in order to grow. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have to grow in order to pay for that infrastructure. Uh, in addition to that, you know, we have the needs of uh, you know public safety, police and fire, first responders. Um, uh, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of challenges that Brian faces uh, that our entire community at large face, mm-hmm. and uh, I think we just need to look at them from the perspective that the growth is coming, and we need to work t- towards dealing with it rather than trying to fight it. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up the two cities, one community, really county two cities, mm-hmm. one community at this point, because uh, that was one of the things I wanted to talk with you for a little bit is your views of looking from the outside at especially Bryan and College Station politics and their relations over the last few years, I feel like there have been a few instances where it starts looking like things are breaking down a little bit there as far as the relationship and being able to work together. It sounds like you're on the side of really trying to make sure that this relationship works, Um, but do you have any ideas? Because things like like the, um, I want to say it was an intergovernmental body um, related to tourism. I forget mm-hmm. what the name of that broke down. It just seems like there's some tension there. Do you have any ideas of how that might be able to be fixed? Well, I agree with you. And I, I see the same thing. And I think it's unfortunate. And I'm not going to point fingers at anyone, but I do think that uh, my goal will be to try to, you know, as I worked for Congressman Flores, obviously I had relationships with uh, with the mayor and the council of College Station. Sure. I had relationships with the county commissioners mm-hmm. and the county judge and all the council members in Bryan. Uh, sort of my job was to be, be be friends to everyone. And I don't know why in the world we can't work together. Uh, we, we're going to have areas where we disagree with the city of Bryan or the city of College Station. There's going to be areas where we disagree with the, the direction that the county commissioners might, might take us. But, uh, you know, we're all we're all in this together and, uh, you know, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be in the same place five years, 10 years, 25 years from now. So we're going to have to work, work together. Yeah. And I like to say, I have no intention of uh, of uh, playing games. I have mm-hmm. no intention of getting involved in petty, uh, petty little politics. Uh, uh, you know, hopefully we can we can avoid all that. And I'd like to think I can play a small part in bringing our communities little bit closer back together i feel yeah. like we spent a, a number of years where brian and college station were working very closely together mm-hmm. and i do think we're seeing a we're seeing sort of a separation over the last maybe a couple yeah. of years and uh i don't think it's a positive thing for the community as a whole for mm-hmm. either brian or college station yeah. so i hope that we can all work together and i'm going to do what i can yeah and it's interesting um you know, again, looking from the perspective of Habitat, where we work, um, that, you know, we are Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. There are businesses or organizations all over this community that really do see this as one community with two distinct cities, uh, but it's still one community and, for us, one housing market, one affordable housing market. And so it is something that we care quite a bit about is that the, the relations work well and uh, people work well together in that. Um, on a different topic related to affordable housing, um, there's a there's a situation, not a situation, There there is a housing development that's trying to be built across from Blinn. This just as an example uh, that may or may not be in your district, but it's gotten a lot of discussion over the last month or so in council. Um, and there's been some real heated debate and some um, real pushback from the the citizens of this part of the district about whether or not this development that might be geared towards students should be built. How do you balance what you just said earlier about that this community is growing, that it has to grow, um, 
how do you balance that with also trying to look out for the interests of your citizens who live in a particular neighborhood who you're representing? To me, that seems like one of the most difficult parts of local government is how do you balance that between development and the urge to want to fight it? No, I I completely agree, and I do think that's one of the most difficult things we have to deal with. Uh, I am vaguely familiar with this project. I've become a little bit more familiar recently. I expect in the next few weeks and months I'm going to become very familiar with it. Uh, I absolutely understand the the value of uh, private property. Uh, That's a core a core freedom that we have in this country is the sure. right to own and to control the property that we live on. Now, the problem with that, like you said, it's a balance because if a developer purchases a piece of, purchases a piece of property, then they, they also have the right to do with that property what they ultimately choose right. to do. So, but I also understand, you know, neighborhoods, uh, you know, we've seen in, in our sister city uh, the, the sort of oh, fight yeah. that's taken place over neighborhood integrity. Oh, yeah. And I absolutely believe that, uh, you know, we as, you know, I live in uh, Wendover East, which is sort of the, the, the cross bear claim from the Oaks. Uh, it's a great, great single family neighborhood. Uh, I'm like any other person. I don't like to see rent houses popping up. I don't. Sure. I don't like the idea of, uh, of a big multifamily development coming in and you know casting a shadow over our homes. But we do need to try to balance that. We need to balance that with the you know we need to look at we have Glen College. Glen College is a tremendous asset for the city of sure. Bryan. And is it is it uh, more appropriate for the students of Glen to be clogging our roads driving into class every day uh or is it more is it would it be better to have them living more closely to where mm-hmm. they're actually going to class like i say all these things need to be considered and uh my my goal is is to to very closely listen to the people uh, with a vested interest both from the side of the neighborhoods as well as the potential developers mm-hmm. Lynn college and uh and hopefully we can come to some compromise that will, um, you know, you're never going to make everyone happy, but if you can, if you can find a way to address the concerns of the neighborhoods uh, involved, while still ensuring that the that the um, that we continue to to sort of move forward and allow the property owners to develop their property as they wish, that would be the ultimate goal. I don't know if it's going to be possible, but yeah. we'll certainly work on that. So you bring up uh, another point that I wanted to discuss with you about transportation, um, and I'm going to approach it more from representing some of our Habitat homeowners. Um, Over the years, what I've noticed, when we build a subdivision, we have one off of 28th Street that's fairly close to downtown Bryan, more or less within walking distance of that. But it's quite a bit away from the college, the main college, um, no offense to Blinn, uh, but Texas A&M. And uh, a lot of these Habitat homeowners work for the university. There was something that I saw starting to pop up in the Bryan Business Council regarding some sort of a uh, transportation system between downtown and the university. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there used to be a trolley at one point, and it looks like possibly that this might be a, up for discussion again. I don't know if it'll go anywhere, but uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because you are a part of – are you a part of the Bryan Business, Business Council? Yes. So you're probably privy to that. Do you think that's going anywhere? Well, it's certainly it's a it's a it's an agenda item. It is a priority of the, mm-hmm. the council itself is to try to explore and develop that. that you know, it, it could be an opportunity for a, to develop a t- more tourism within the downtown Bryan mm-hmm. area, yeah. uh, as well as like say the the, the fewer cars driving right. up and down South College, 
uh, the better. Right. So, uh, and you're right. We used to have a legitimate trolley uh, mm-hmm. many, many years ago, and uh, uh, back in the '80s, I believe it was, they resurrected it, and we had sort of a. It was the beginnings of the the bus system we have now, mm-hmm. and the uh, each of the buses was actually a trolley, and mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty pretty unique uh, concept. Yeah. But uh, I think we're going to have to look at. We're going to have to look at creative ways to move people from point A to point B. Yeah. And I'll say right now, I'm not advocating for light rail. I'm not advocating right. for anything like that. I think, frankly, we're going to have to look at some really creative options. When I see uh, when I see the buses driving through town empty, right? You know, I, I just think to myself, is this really the most efficient? Mm-hmm. And I'm not. You know, I hope this doesn't make the news. What I'm saying It's just my personal opinion. Right. But I think we need to look at options because uh, getting people where they need to be. Uh, may not be uh, by running empty buses. Mm -hmm. Uh, There may be other options. There may be some ride-sharing opportunities Mm -hmm. where we might look at uh, it might be more efficient, more Mm -hmm. economic to to provide that type of thing. I'm anxious to to look at this, but as as it relates to the trolley, that is actually uh, one of the priorities of both the Bryan Business Council and of the, uh, the, uh, I think, two of the subcommittees on the council are looking at that. So we're hoping that... uh, Hoping we can find something yeah. that might be helpful as far as uh, to promote tourism, but also to yeah. get some of the congestion off the roads. One of the things that I've heard, and you know, it's a limited sample, but in talking to some of our homeowners, which are largely low income, um, that largely have to have their own vehicle, what I've heard when I ask about the bus system and do you ride it, said they would absolutely ride it. Hands down, all of them, most of them have told me this, that they would absolutely ride it if there was real consistency in the way that you see in some of the bigger cities. So it's like this catch-22 almost, where you've got, um, you know, I would ride it more if I knew I could get to work on time, and then you don't ride it, and so it's empty. And so um, I guess that's just me pontificating, but I find that a really interesting and tricky dilemma that we're going to need to look at in the future. Well, I hope that if the cities can play a part in that, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can. Because I agree with you completely. I think if we had that consistency, if mm-hmm. you knew at this stop the bus was going to be here, oh, yeah. and we also have to uh, have to ensure that we've got uh, sufficient uh, coverage, mm-hmm. you know, because if you're going to have to walk three quarters of a mile to get to the bus stop in July, it just people are just not going to make right. that option. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm hopeful that we can, you know, I've always thought, and this is like I say, this is just private citizen James Edge hasn't been sworn in yet. Uh, I've always felt like that, uh, you know, the Texas A&M bus system is. Is, is a well-organized, well-run entity, and I would love to see some some uh, cooperation. And you know, the mm-hmm. university and the system has really been good about working with the cities over the last few years. Yeah, and and I think it might be something that uh, that we can we can work with them on and expand the routes a little bit, which would benefit the students as well yeah. as benefit some of the community members. Uh, you know, and, and if we could find a way to make that work for the the system as well as mm-hmm. for the cities. I'd be all for looking at that. Yeah. Okay. Um, with the the few minutes that we have left, I did want to kind of want to go big picture for a minute and and look at what your kind of main goals are for Brian and where do you see Brian going? You mentioned the gr- that we're growing, that we have to grow. Uh, do you have any specific things that you want to push forward in the coming four years uh, once you're sworn Almost in? Almost four. Almost four. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't have specifics as far as I don't have you know a you know mm-hmm. six point plan, but uh, I, I've lived in Bryan uh, 
personally since 1974. My father was born in Bryan in 1919. Mm -hmm. His father was wow. born in Bryan about 148 years ago. And, wow. uh, and his father came to Bryan uh, at the conclusion of the Civil War. So we've been in this area wow. a very long time. I consider Bryan, Bryan, of course, I've lived in Bryan. I've lived in College Station. I've lived in the county. And uh, we, uh, I consider this just a wonderful place to live. I consider it a very livable community. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's my hope that we can maintain that. You know, I love the idea of getting a Costco. I love the idea of big shots. I love the idea of, you know, I love when I see new opportunities for us to live, work, and play without having to go elsewhere. Uh, but we also have to try to ensure that we don't fall into the trap of, of long commutes and, mm -hmm. uh, and crime and other yeah. things that larger communities uh, have to deal with. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the idea that you know you go to the grocery store, you're going to bump into somebody that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know we're a large, you know we're 240,000 people yeah. in this county, and yet it's still for most people they feel like it's a small town. Right. And that, I'd love to, to try to maintain that uh, livability, mm -hmm. uh, quality of life. Uh, you know, parks. Uh, I'm 100 percent in favor of exploring new opportunities within the city of Bryan to provide spaces for people to get out of their houses and, and, and enjoy the outdoors. I uh, love what we're doing over at uh, Midtown Park. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like I say, I'm, uh, the city staff in Bryan is fantastic. I've gotten to know them very well before uh, I ultimately decided to run for office. And uh, it's a bunch of really, really talented people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm not as a council member going to uh, be issuing edicts and directives to, to staff. Sure. I'm going to be asking staff for their advice and recommendations. Okay. Now, obviously, we on the council will be the ones to make those decisions. Yeah. But like I say, the, these people are, are very good, and they're going to be able. They're going to be, I think, a great asset for us. Yeah, and College Station, uh, not to bash them or anything, but as a city, it's becoming less and less affordable, especially for low-income families. And Brian continues to be seen as the more affordable. You know, a what we would call low-income family can still, in parts of the city, be able to live. But for how much longer? Um, we're seeing, in my opinion, we're seeing College Station rapidly becoming uh, more like what you're seeing in Austin. And by that, what I mean is that the low-income people are being pushed out of the city limits or out into another city. It's it's a um, from our perspective, it's it's a big issue when when all different income levels cannot live in a city. Do you see Brian headed that way? And is there anything we can do, and should we do to stop it? Well, I, unfortunately, I do see Brian headed that direction, uh, and and there's some of this. It's out of our hands. I mean, we have sort of a perfect storm right now. We talked a little bit mm -hmm. off camera about some of the challenges that we've been seeing in the last couple of years uh, from a national political perspective. Yeah. Uh, we've got interest rates for the first time. You know, I'm a real estate broker, mm -hmm. and uh, I can remember 25 years ago when interest rates were seven and a quarter percent, and you were dying to get a seven and a quarter percent rate. Yep. Uh, no one believed we would we would ever get down to the you know one and two percent mm -hmm. interest rates on a mortgage. Uh, now we're seeing them creep back up, and it looks like they're going to go a little bit higher. Okay. You have this uh, outrageous uh, valuations right. that are causing, uh, whether they are legitimate or not, they're causing our property taxes to skyrocket. That's another challenge, you know. That's real, and you have a smaller, a smaller uh, sample of people that are paying those taxes mm -hmm. because we're continuing to, for obvious, uh, ultimately. Yeah 
you know, noble reasons, we're exempting more and more groups, which makes sure. the, the pool of taxpayers a smaller pool, which right. makes that that uh, even even more difficult. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, you've got uh, in the, the, it's a supply and demand, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're seeing the state legislature made it more difficult to annex property, right? And uh, as a result. I think we're going to uh, we're going to find, in my opinion, we're going to find out that that was a uh, misguided uh, mm. effort. I think that uh, the um, we're going to see the development and we're mm-hmm. going to see much of the growth. But the problem is that growth is going to be unincorporated. It's going mm-hmm. to be unplanned. It's going to be hodgepodge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be somebody with five or ten acres. It just mm-hmm. wants to make some money on it, and, and there won't be as much uh, as much uh, planning. Mm. And and while I'm not a big central government guy. Uh, I do think that the cities absolutely need to plan plan for the future. It's how mm-hmm. we deal with traffic. It's how we deal with uh, you know how we get a fire truck from point A to point B. Sure. How we get sure. water and sewer. Uh, so um, I'm hopeful that we can uh, you know that if we can look at uh, w- when the economy sort of stabilizes a little bit. Hopefully we can begin to start bringing interest rates back down a little bit. Okay. Uh, once the economy stabilizes a little bit and we begin to address the supply chain issues that are worldwide yeah. that are causing the cost right. of building to skyrocket. Oh, yeah. I mean, literally, we're talking about a perfect storm that's causing housing yeah. prices to go through the roof. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you're looking at uh, my wife spends all of her, all of her time on Zillow. Hmm. Uh, we're not moving anywhere, but she's constantly looking. Oh, yeah. Yesterday, we're sitting outside, and she uh, she's pulling up houses in Bryan that are in perfectly fine neighborhoods, but they're older neighborhoods. Yeah. And uh, and we're looking at $130, $140, dollars a square foot wow. for Forty-five, fifty-year-old houses. Yeah, uh, just outrageous. <laughs> it uh, is. And I don't know how the young people that are entering the housing market, uh, how they're ultimately going to, you know, young people that are young professionals yeah. might not have as much difficulty. But as the, the, some of the folks mm-hmm. you mentioned, I mean, we've got uh, we're, we've got the city of Bryan is working very closely with Bryan ISD mm-hmm. and the CTE Center. We're trying to keep some of our young people here by right. giving them the occupational talents that they're going to need but where do they uh, live that's exactly right <laughs> and uh you know we've seen yeah. cases where the cities of Bryan and the cities of college station are trying to hire first responders yeah and those first yeah. responders cannot live within the city limits because there's not wow. available adequate housing wow uh it's a it's a problem mm-hmm. and i think we uh like i say we we need to be aware of it we need to be cognizant of it and we uh need to sort of be we can't be afraid think outside the box mm-hmm. and deal with it if necessary good well is there anything else that you wanted to add or, or how can your um, constituents when you're sworn in contact you uh, anything you want to add before we end well I want, I want to add how much i appreciate habitat for humanity and what habitat does i want to appreciate tell you how much i appreciate habitat restore i don't yeah. know how many people are are familiar with habitat restore but i would tell you that whether you're looking for a grandfather clock which i saw down a few minutes ago or whether you're looking for some pvc or (laughs) some uh you know some building material uh or if you've got additional you know you've got something along the side that you're not using you can donate it this is uh the organization obviously the proceeds i'm assuming go towards absolutely uh, towards the housing Mm -hmm. affordable housing so love what habitat does i love the mission i've only had the opportunity to, to hammer nails on a couple of habitat houses but i hope that maybe in the future we can do that a little bit more frequently we can get you an invite definitely forward to it. <laughs> well thank you so much again this is james edge um, meeting with think brazos and the habitat for humanity team so thank you so thank much thank you very much i appreciate it by 
the way, there's another election later this month on May 24th. It's a runoff election for several races. We've already interviewed the candidates for Brazos County Commissioner Precinct 2, Russ Ford and Chuck Condorla. In our next two episodes, will be interviews with Precinct 4 candidates, Princess Madison and Wanda Watson. The Think Brasses podcast is brought to you by Bryan College Station Habitat for Humanity. Our mission is the same as Habitat's, creating a community where everyone can afford a home they're proud of. We can't meet all the need through our home building program, so we created this podcast as a way to discuss how policies impact the people who don't qualify for our program. The Think Brasses podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts and on our website at thinkbrasses.org. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you prefer to watch videos of our conversations. Thanks for listening, and just remember, think local, think Brazos. Think Brazos.